We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks. And to start us off, I got to say congratulations to the Warriors. We haven't jumped on here and recorded a pod since the Warriors won their, their most recent championship, which, in my opinion, just from a very, very uneducated outsider's perspective. I've never been a huge basketball guy. I try and keep up with it just for the sake of being able to tune in during the playoffs and actually know what's going on and how we got there. Um, I've watched The Last Dance like four times, so that makes me a a true basketball aficionado, obviously. But as I'm saying, in my opinion, this, uh, this seemed like the Warriors' most impressive championship right behind their first. You know, to me, the their first, or excuse me, their first of the, you know, the Steph, Clay, Dre era. That has a really good ring, Steph, Clay, Dre era. Um, it was just a season where, you know, they started off pretty well. They, they But overall, the expectations were pretty low on what the Warriors were, were going to be able to do. You had players coming back from injuries. You had a lot of unproven talent, a lot of guys that they signed, like Wiggins, that people were kind of just really down on And when, they, when it first happened. And... And every, it seemed like in every playoff team they faced, they were the underdog. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but it sure seemed that way. And they pulled it out. And they just kept playing good, consistent Warriors basketball. Had a couple little blips in the radar there. But it was just impressive to watch, you know. Obviously, the ones where they had KD were they were spectacular. One of the greatest basketball teams ever assembled, period. But this one to me was their most impressive just in the way they went about it. Kind of, it seemed, you know, humble in a way. Not not that that word necessarily goes with a team that has Draymond Green on it, but it just seemed like for, for a team that good that has proven that much and the fact that, you know, obviously Steph, now one of the all-time greats, it just, it was really just kind of seemed like it was from the heart. Like it was a win that they had to dig down deep and muster 
And it was only fitting that they finish it, you know, with an away game and away win. It just kind of matched like that, that like that grit, that determination that that team seemed to have. And again, this is just from an outsider's perspective that was watching randomly throughout the season. And then, you know, kind of as the playoffs kicked in, I started watching a bit more intently. But congrats to the Warriors, man. And obviously turns a little bit of now that they've wrapped up their their championship parade it turns a little bit of a spotlight over the San Francisco 49ers who since the Warriors have started winning consistently with their dynasty the 49ers have been uh within Super Bowl reach a couple times you know obviously they went to one and lost to the Chiefs and then they almost went to one this last season uh losing to the Rams in the NFC Championship game so uh, the 49ers are they they're obviously not in the ballpark as far as what the Warriors have built the dynasty that 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 is that that team is now, but the 49ers have had their fair share share of success during this time frame, and you know who knows? Maybe Trey Lance is the missing piece. Maybe he's what is going to uh, to push uh, push this team over the edge. We we it, it feels like we got a long way before we're even allowed to have that conversation. But you know, obviously the Warriors winning another one uh, in impressive fan f- uh, impressive fashion. Just you know. Points that that spotlight over to the 49ers, like, hey, come on, your turn, your turn. Um, so speaking of the 49ers, why we're here, we're almost there. I'm recording this on June 23rd. Happy, happy summer break to all you teachers out there. I'm currently basking in the wonder that is summer break right now. I love it. It's June 23rd, and the 49ers slash NFL announced today that their training camp is going to begin on July 26th. So in just a little over a month, we will see the 49ers, veterans, and rookies. There are a lot of teams out there that rookies report to training camp a few days before veterans. But in the 49ers case, both of them are reporting at the exact same time, and I assume that they will uh, they will start some form of practice the, you know, the day after. And to me, that's it feels like to me when training camp starts, that's when the season starts. To me, that's just what it feels like. It, it, it feels like the beginning of the season. Now, obviously, they're not playing opponents. They're not winning games. They're not losing games. Nothing is won or lost during training camp. But it's just maybe it's a, a level of excitement thing, a level of anticipation, um, a level of substance that things are actually happening and getting written and reported and shown, you know what I mean? Like you actually have things to go off of once training camp starts. So whether I'm there or not, I'm still trying to, uh, to, to play my cards so I can be there. Uh, it, it's still to me, training camp marks like it's here, like we're in because you've got training camp and that's a very consistent stream of information. And, you know, you can watch players develop. And then you've got the preseason and then you're there, you know, preseason, you are whatever your opinion is of preseason. You are watching players play football, NFL players play football. And I've always loved preseason because it's, there are legitimate roster spots on the line that players are fighting for right in front of you. And, and it's, you know, especially towards the beginning of the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch era, we saw players work their way onto roster spots and then have earned prominent roles in the NFL. You know, the first person that comes to mind is Kendrick Bourne. When the 49ers first added him as an undrafted free agent, I liked him right from the start. I even remember telling Crocker, you know, when him and I were at camp, like, Hey, 
keep an eye on this guy. I like him. Crocker was like, I like him too. I like the way he ran routes. I like the way he caught the ball. And sure enough, he ended up claiming that final roster spot along with Victor Bolden Jr., I believe. And now he's a legitimately, you know, <laughs> he's got a solid contract with the Patriots. And he's he's a legitimate factor in the NFL. And that's why I like preseason because – those opportunities are out there and you get to see that unfold. And not to mention the fact that you're also getting little previews of players that we are looking forward to seeing in the regular season, like Trey Lance and everybody else in that mix. So to me, exciting to see that date finally emerge as far as the beginning of training camp. And that will always represent kind of like the beginning of the season for me, because when I was going to training camp consistently year after year, you know, it's go time. Like I uh, rent an Airbnb close to Levi Stadium. I'm going there every day. When I was writing for Niners Wire or Niners Nation, I was constantly recapping uh, that practice every single day. And if I do go to training camp this year, um, even if I'm not at training camp, I'll probably still do this. But if I'm at training camp every day, I'm recording a podcast every day. Every day that I'm at practice, I'm recording a podcast. I don't care if it's 20 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever you know, to break down what I saw that day. And that's, what's exciting about training because it's just, it's an everyday grind and there's a flow of information coming every single day that I just love. They haven't announced yet any open practices to the fans. Um, I know as far as COVID goes during the off season, the NFL basically announced like it's almost not understating its importance, but it's almost like not a thing in the NFL anymore. As, as far as I read, if I'm correct, Pretty much all the NFL COVID protocols are gone. And if, you know, basically COVID testing is reserved for a doctor saying you should get a COVID test. Uh, You know, maybe they're having symptoms, not feeling good, go get a COVID test. And um, that's where they're going with that. So with that, I would assume, assume purely that the restrictions on fans should be lifted. It's all outdoors. If you've been to a 49ers practice, they practice on the uh, the fields that are right outside of Levi Stadium. So hopefully we hear about open practices soon. I know a lot of you guys love to go to those. They are awesome. And I'm hoping that you guys get the pleasure of doing that again. But they haven't been announced yet. I do expect that. But at the same time, would it surprise me if they, they don't hold those? I guess not. But I think the opportunity is there to get back into that. Uh, typically when you're, if you're talking about training camp, it's usually a four practice rotation. They usually practice for four days straight and then they get a day off and then they practice for four days straight and then they get a day off. Sometimes that's three days and a day off. Uh, It just depends. Um, but that's what you can kind of expect. Now the 49ers have a, what I like about their preseason schedule this time is their first game is at home against the Packers, which is going to be exciting no matter what. Even if it's just preseason, it's going to be exciting to watch the 49ers play the Packers. Like we'll see maybe a drive from Aaron Rodgers and a drive from Trey Lance, and that's probably it, but it's still cool. It's 49ers and Packers. Let's have some fun. But the fact that they do have that first preseason game at home That means that the 49ers preseason schedule can kind of roll right into that home game without having to take into account travel time. If that was an away game, if they had to go somewhere, Um, I I prefer that a lot. And it also means that if I am able to go to training camp, I can roll right into that preseason game. And then when that preseason game is over, I, I head out. So, We'll see. We'll see. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into me and my schedule. Uh, You guys know that I'm a teacher. I also coach football. That's picking up throughout the summer. 
And then, you know, whenever my school year starts, we'll see. Because uh, teachers have a week of school year before students even come back. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm excited. Either way, I'm excited. So today, we are going to start our 49ers training camp roster breakdown. And essentially what we're going to do is we're going to work our way through every position group on the roster. We're going to talk about the players within that position group. We're going to talk about any composition. Composition? Let me start over. We're going to talk about any competition within that player, within that group of players. Is Are there spots open? Are there multiple spots open? Are there roster spots open? Are there starting spots open? We'll We'll kind of work our way through that. And to me, that makes it easier to pay attention to what's going on during the the training, the off season, during the training camp. Um, when a a beat writer writes about a certain player having a strong performance, and if you already know that that player is among a position group where there's roster spots open, where there's competition, uh, you know that's meaningful and that there's something on the line there. So I like to go through every position, break down the kind of the status of that group and what's up for grabs. And then I guess, you know, kind of like my feeling over my overall feeling on the group, uh, how I feel that group will do heading into the season. Do I feel like that group could improve? And, you know, I don't want to say I'll get all the way into possible additions that are still available out there. But basically, the point of it is just to work our way through the entire roster before training camp. That way we're all on the same page when training camp starts. And I can jump on here and talk to you guys like, hey, remember, we talked about this receiver. Apparently they're showing off in training camp. And that sixth spot may be theirs. We'll see. And uh, we'll, we'll work our way through that. And obviously the most logical starting spot for our 2022 49ers training camp roster breakdown is quarterback. And – it's not because we haven't talked enough about quarterback throughout the last years, <laughs> throughout forever, it seems. Um, it's just that it's the most important part position on the roster. It's the, the forefront of the roster. It's the pinnacle of the roster. It's where all the money goes. You, you, you guys don't need to hear me explain why quarterback needs to be talked about first, but and just as obvious as starting with quarterback is the fact that it's all about Trey Lance. We saw a off-season program with OTAs, with mandatory minicamps, that was completely led by Trey Lance. And with every snap that he took as the unquestioned starter, the more this roster, that room, this offense became his. And at this point... Any intrusion, I guess I could call it, from Jimmy Garoppolo, despite the fact that he's still on the roster, he's still got his salary cap, you know, accounted for, and he's still technically on the team, but this is this is Trey Lance's team. And anything contrary to that, to me at this point, would be a step backwards for the 49ers. Uh, they have their quarterback that they traded up to get, that it is now their job to develop, and that development started when he first stepped in the building, but right now is just such a massive step for him where he is the guy. He is in the mindset that he's the guy. There's nothing else out there that even really needs to be discussed at this point. It is just him and his job to learn this offense and to start to hone in on whatever skill sets, abilities, and, you know, really just processes that Kyle Shanahan has said, okay, this is what we need to do. 
Uh, I guarantee you he left that offseason program with a little little cheat sheet, little study sheet. Here's what I need you to know when you get back here. And here's what I think you might be able to work on with all the coaches that you've been developing with. So, And, and again, to me, this is – the Trey Lance era has already started. Um, you can say it started right after they drafted him, but in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo being officially ushered out of the way, it seems like that's already happened. I don't expect Jimmy Garoppolo to take another snap with the 49ers, whether that's during training camp, during preseason, or during the regular season. And that's not me sliding Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not – y'all know I've I've always appreciated Jimmy Garoppolo pretty steadfastly going all the way back through his good games, bad games, whatever he's got. I've always appreciated Jimmy Garoppolo, and none of this I'm saying is a slide against him, but – we're moving on. And in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo and his status now, he was expected to start throwing around June. And it is now June 23rd. We're moving on in July. I know that there's also, you know, there are a few times where people mention July. July is a possible time for him to start throwing. If I had to bet, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, uh, I would say that Jimmy Garoppolo is already throwing a football. It wouldn't even surprise me if his agent was already building up a video of Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the football, moving around to show to them that whether he's traded or released, that he is capable of stepping into that role. I'm already, I'm assuming he's already started throwing. That's just where I am. And there's still some options out there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the best way to say this? Both sad and hilariously enough, the Browns have emerged as someone who's probably going to need a starting quarterback in 2022. Yes, they completely sold their soul with this massive guaranteed contract to Deshaun Watson, who just settled, I believe, 20 of his sexual misconduct allegations. We'll just call it that. Um, which, you know, for a guy that was constantly saying that he needed to clear his name, to me, settling 
those disputes with likely a lot of money and a non-disclosure agreement doesn't seem like you're trying to clear your name. It just seems like you're trying to get it to go away so you can go about your business. But there's still four more pending allegations, I believe, that have not been settled. And I thought I read somewhere that they're expecting more to pick up. I know that you had that story published about the fact that he had had massages, quote unquote, from more than 66 women last year, which is mind blowing. That's not normal. Um, Right or wrong aside, that's just not normal. Uh, We've also seen that, that it's been reported that the NFL is expected to suspend Deshaun Watson for at least a year, just based on his conduct and what they've been able to pull from their own investigation. So, uh, and and it, what's hilarious about it is they still have Baker Mayfield, but there's seems like absolutely zero chance the Browns would be able to get Baker Mayfield to play for them this season. Uh, again, they already sold their soul for Deshaun Watson, and they've kind of just left Baker Mayfield hanging. There's no way he's just going to be like, at least I assume there's no way that he's just going to step in there and be like, yep, I'm your guy again. Let's go. I'll I'll help fill the void before Deshaun Watson comes back from his one-year suspension. It just doesn't seem likely. Um, the Seattle Seahawks and Panthers have both been rumored to have interest in Baker Mayfield. But again, that also leaves the Browns without a legitimate starting quarterback. And maybe they could, could be interested in Jimmy Garoppolo. So could the Panthers, who are kind of sitting in that Sam Darnold weird limbo window. We'll see. Um, there's also the Seahawks. I would not expect the Seahawks to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, but I would expect them to be very interested if Jimmy Garoppolo were released. Um, so there's still trade options out there. And the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is going has either already started throwing or is going to start throwing soon is only going to spur that interest. Um, one thing I've kind of come to the realization or I've started to almost assume is it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers end up having to pay a portion. I was going to say small portion, but I'm not even so sure of that. It wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers are, uh, are expected to pay a portion of Jimmy Garoppolo's salary if he is traded. Uh, again, he's due like upwards of $25 million, and that's just a lot of money for a team to take on for a quarterback that doesn't exactly light up the stat sheet. You know, he's he doesn't exactly have unbelievable physical abilities. So, you know, there's plenty to like about Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm still not sure a team would be chomping at the bit to pay him $25 million. So there's still trade option out there, options out there. But if that doesn't materialize, it just wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers released him uh, before the start of training camp and just did what they needed to do. That would immediately clear up uh, the, the media clear up his salary cap. I'm assuming he would be able to come in and pass a physical and, uh, and that would be that you'd be moving on. So we'll see what happens with that. I do expect us to start hearing more about that now that we're in late June, early July and training camp is, is creeping up when it comes to Trey Lance and moving through training camp. Cause this is kind of every, every part of the roster we break down is kind of more slanted towards training camp. It's not that we're going to not talk about the season, especially when it comes to Trey Lance. Uh, He's not fighting for a roster spot, but when it comes to training camp for Lance, it's to me, it's not about a single practice. Trey Lance is going to have good practices. He's going to have bad practices. 
You know what's funny? I I forgot to I I and I usually I don't look at them very often, but I got on my my iTunes reviews on for striking gold, and somebody uh, complained about the fact that I use players first and last names too often. I thought that was pretty funny. I think that's I thought that was a very very specific complaint, but I guess if you're going to Offer criticism, then be specific about it. Yeah, he says, you could have a drinking game for the amount of times. He says, Jimmy Garoppolo, you'd be drunk in two minutes. Stop it. Um, I mean, I don't see the big deal. It's the players' names. I guess I could try and just say Jimmy and Garoppolo, which is, in in in, in my man's defense, um, when you're writing about these players, you only use their first name at the very beginning of the piece. And then after that, it becomes... Jimmy Garoppolo, he, you get, you get the point. So I just thought that was a pretty funny complaint and it's valid. I do say that I've already said Trey Lance probably 10 times. I've already said Jimmy Garoppolo probably 10 times. So, I mean, if you want to get drunk, then do that. Play that game. Let's go. Um, I, but Hey, shout out to you, man. Thank you for at least leaving a review. Even if it wasn't nice, you know, you could have left a five-star review and then offered me that criticism, but instead you wanted to be a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a little bit of an ass and le- and go three stars. But whatever, man, I, you know, I, if that's the way he feels, that's the way he feels. And and what would the world be like without honesty? You know what I mean? Like, so we're, we're good. We're good, bro. Um, so I'm going to try and not say players names, full names over and over, but let's roll. So when it comes to Lance, see learning when it comes to Lance, When it comes to Trey, when it comes to Trey area, to me, it's not going to be about individual practices because Trey is going to have the ebbs and flows of rookie quarterbacks. Yes, he's been on the 49ers for a year, but essentially this is his first year as a starter, making it a rookie year plus. I expect him to have bumps and bruises. Once the pads come on, once pass rushers can actually get after him, once he starts scrambling, once he starts trying to force throws, once he's you know making plays, doing what Trey Lance is going to do, um, I'm not really. And you can hold me to this because, like I said, we're going to be talking about training camp all the time on this podcast when it comes around. It's not about overreacting to single practices. It's about stretches. It's about, you know, like I said, they go four days and then one day off. Well, take those four days and how did Trey do in those four days? Did he, you know, was it solid? Was it bad one day? Then he kind of recovered. That to me has always been a big thing. Can you have a bad training camp practices and the next day come out and and improve and light it up? And then obviously more important than that is his training camp performance as a whole. As a whole, what 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 was training Trey's what was Trey's performance throughout the entire thing? You know, yes, he's going to have two, three interception days, but he's also going to have two or three touchdown days. Um, what portions of practice were they in? Were they in seven on sevens? Were they one on ones? Where the quarterback's just going to throw it anyways? Uh, were they in the red zone? Were was it a two minute drill? All this stuff to me, if you can take it into context and do it. Because Lance is un- inevitably going to be faced with a lot of ups and downs. So just basically kind of keep an, keep an eye on how he performs throughout training. I wouldn't training camp. I would advise not overreacting to any one practice, but just watching him grow throughout the process. I think taking note of where Trey started and where it ended for him in training camp should 
give you kind of just a better picture of the improvements he may or may not have made. Did he steadily start to struggle more? That's when it gets a little scary. And then obviously whatever picture we were able to paint throughout training camp, you take that in a preseason and you say, okay, is he able to build off that and or improve off that against a defense that's not his own? And you got to keep in mind too, one, something that just I just thought of, Trey Lance is going to be going against the 49ers defense in training camp. The 49ers defense, which probably is about a top five unit in the NFL right now with some ridiculous defensive line and pass rush talent. So you got to keep that in mind when you're evaluating what happened to Trey Lance. If if you're reading about a training camp report and Lance got sacked by Nick Bosa three times and threw an interception on two of those, then is it necessarily Trey Lance's fault? I don't know because he has the unfortunate um, opportunity of, of going against Nick Bosa every day, which – you know, it's a meat grinder. It, it 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 will better prepare him for what he's not going to face during the season because there aren't many defenses in the NFL that are going to bring be bringing what the 49ers are bringing. So, got to keep that in mind too. But obviously, preseason is going to clarify what we saw from Lance throughout training camp, and I think this is almost an individual thing. What are your expect expectations for Trey Lance? What do you expect? You know, obviously, I can sit here and and say that you should temper those expectations for Trey. You should not necessarily aim low so you can always be impressed, but just think about it. You know, you go up here, you go up here and you, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's stats from last season played in 15 games. He completed 68% of his passes for 3,800 yards, 20 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And to me, that's, I mean, that's almost the definition of mediocre. Like, uh, yes, he is throwing more touchdowns than interceptions, but there was nothing about Jimmy Garoppolo's box scores, which we know don't tell the story, that are unattainable for Trey Lance. The bar is not that high. There it is. There are elements of Garoppolo's game that Lance is going to have trouble replicating. We'll talk about that. But to me, you got to understand what Garoppolo did and realize that not only is the bar not that high, but the bar should be below what we got from Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I do expect Lance to give the 49ers just as much potency, just as much chance of success as Jimmy Garoppolo did. But at the same time, you're also talking about a quarterback in his first season as a starter. The expectations should be lower. The 49ers moved on from Garoppolo because he only offered them so much. That was a very clear ceiling to Garoppolo's game. Lance probably has a lower floor than Garoppolo but a much higher ceiling. And there are going to be at times where we have to experience that floor. And so that's why I say, what are your expect expectations from Lance? Like with me, it's not more of a statistical thing. You know, I, I, with Lance to me, it's more about minimizing mistakes in his position in his first season as a starter. To me, it's going to be more about him minimizing mistakes than it is making plays. We know he's going to make plays. 
We've already seen it. But to me, it's more about minimizing those mistakes. Don't be the reason the team loses. You may not be the reason the team wins very often. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't a reason, a definable reason the 49ers won all that often. Sure, he would play decent, but you know there'd usually be some some pretty insane plays made by other players that were basically just facilitated by Garoppolo. And with Lance, my expectation is just minimize mistakes and then the plays will come. That's kind of what I, I mean. You don't want to just put a governor on a Ferrari and whatever Trey Lance is capable of, you want him to continually put it on the field, but at the same time, take care of the football. And I feel like his natural ability will kind of guide them from there. The thing that the 49ers may miss with Garoppolo that Lance may not immediately give them is like moving the chains on third downs. They're those real quick passes that that happened in an instant. No pass rush was even able to become a factor because Garoppolo would catch the pass and boom, he'd hit that slant for seven yards and the chains would be moved. You know, and it, uh, obviously it were almost always throws over the middle. Garoppolo had a way of making those look simple at times. Now, I don't even know what his third down percentage was or if it was even good. I know when he first started with the 49ers, he was great at it. But it seemed like, in a way, he kind of digressed. Digress? Degress? What am I looking for? Ah, eh, whatever. So, are the 49ers going to get those plays from Lance? Is he going to be able to take the snap and immediately fire that pass to the intended target, to the first read, into a tight window, and can, and move the sticks without him having to spend a little bit too much time in the pocket, evade pressure, look downfield, hope somebody gets open. How often is Lance going to be able to take those those snaps, go bam, bam, boom, let's move the chains. Snaps in my hands, balls out, chains are moving, let's go. Those are the things that I'm going to be looking for for Lance. Can he give the 49ers, when they need it, that quick precision passing game that's built into Kyle Shanahan's offense? Like, you know when Kyle Shanahan calls plays, This guy's open, throw it to him within a second of getting the ball. Bam, bam, bam. Let's just go. I want to see Trey Lance execute those plays because that to me is one of the biggest indicators of a young quarterback. You know, do they, are they thinking too much? Are they looking too much? Um, Were they not able to get the pre-snap reads or determine the pre-snap reads quick enough? to allow them to make the right decision right when the ball snaps. So that those are some of the things I'm looking at. Now, in a weird way, I have – it kind of relates to what I'm just talking about. I have more confidence in Trey Lance creating plays than I do him making them. If no, What's the best way I would say this? Okay. Entirely wrong way. I have more confidence in Trey Lance making plays, creating them himself, than taking what the defense gives him. And I think that's fair of a fair assumption of all young quarterbacks. I think that reading defenses and reacting to the speed of the NFL and beginning to take advantage of what defenses are showing you or what weaknesses they have are probably some of the skill sets that come along the slowest for young quarterbacks. That that might be the last skill that quarterbacks develop. 
as they move throughout their career is, okay, how can I take advantage of this defense in this moment um, with the play call that we've put out there? And to me, I have more confidence in Lance taking a snap, not liking what he likes, feeling pressure, moving the pocket, rolling out, finding a receiver that, you know, added another break to their route, kind of like a scramble drill, and then hitting that player. I have a lot of lot of confidence in Lance making plays like that. But, uh, you know, like we were just saying, is he going to be able to take a snap and within two seconds, within a second and a half, fire it to one of his first two reads into a window that may not be very big and move the chains or give that player a chance to break the tackle by by hitting them in stride and get those yards after the catch that Kyle Shanahan and, and Debo Samuel and all these players are so good at creating. Those are the those are the elements of the offense that I'm going to have to see develop with Lance. I don't necessarily have a whole lot of confidence that he's going to be able to do that right out of the gate, but that's not necessarily an indictment of Lance. I would probably be saying that about any rookie quarterback with athleticism. Like I have confidence in their ability to move the pocket and create some plays off script, but who knows how well Lance is going to be able to operate within Kyle Shanahan's system. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, hopefully that doesn't come off as negative. That just, to me, seems like the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to seeing. Can Trey Lance, full name, dropped it, run Kyle Shanahan's, Shanahan's offense like a well-oiled machine, or will that take time? Is that something we're going to clearly see progress throughout the season, or is that something he's going to always struggle with, or at least for this year? Uh, that's what I'm going to be looking for is can he, a lot of that comes with Kyle Shanahan's body language on the sideline. Um, can he operate the offense that we already know is one of the best in the NFL? There was that pro football focus tweet about the top six offensive coordinators in the NFL. Let me see if I can actually find it. I have a feeling I won't be able to find it fast enough. It was kind of funny because I looked at it right away and I knew that they were kind of, I mean, it's just one writer's opinion. So I don't think anybody should just be completely blasted for, for just kind of, you know, putting their own stuff out there, but it did seem pretty, pretty egregious. If you say, okay, I'm scrolling. Where am I? June 14th. I feel like it was tweeted before that. And I may have just, uh, scrolling past it but I wanted to find it because it, it was kind of funny. Let me check this guy. I know this is the writer of it. I know I'm wasting y'all's time. Wasting y'all time, using up good tape. Anyways, if I'm not going to be able to find it, so be it. It basically had Kyle Shanahan listed as like, I want to say the fourth best offensive coordinator or play caller in the NFL. Um, I believe he was one spot ahead of Sean McVay. And, man, if if I can't find this on Pro Football Focus's timeline or the guy who I know wrote its timeline, then they must have developed some sort of shame in regards to that tweet and kind of just how, I don't know, odd it seemed. But 
to me, if if they were to do a play caller draft, I believe that the boys, uh, John Middlecoff and Guy Haberman talked about this too, or at least they were talking about that tweet and kind of breaking it down and, and picking it apart in their own way. And I, and I had already seen it and I'd already thought about it the exact same way as Middlecoff and the fact that if they did like a play caller draft in the NFL, um, I believe that pro football focus tweet had Andy Reid as number one. Which I agree with. I think if you're if you're picking up play callers, Andy Reid would probably go first. And I know that they had Kellen Moore of the Cowboys as number two, which a lot of people were like, <laughs> "That's awesome." Um, yeah. Okay. Here you go. Andy Reid was number one. Kellen Moore was number two. Byron Leftwich of the Buccaneers was number three. Kyle Shanahan four. Sean McVay five, and Matt Lafour six. And if Let's say all of those six guys were made available in a play caller draft. Nobody had play callers anymore. I could see Andy Reid going first. And then I believe Kyle Shanahan would go second. Maybe Sean McVay would because he's got kind of a, you know, he's got a Super Bowl now. He's been to two of them. Uh, a little bit more success than Kyle Shanahan. But again, it doesn't take a genius to look at those two rosters and how they inherited them and why Kyle Shanahan hasn't had quite as much success as Sean McVay in terms of win to loss. But if I had to guess, I'd go number one pick would be Andy Reid. Number two, Kyle Shanahan. Number three, Sean McVay. Number four, probably Matt LaFleur. Number five, maybe Byron Lefwich. And number six, Kellen Moore uh, of the Cowboys. So it was just funny. It got kind of ripped up. It was a little silly. But we know that, and again, this all stems from what I was saying is we know Kyle Shanahan is, is rocking a well-oiled machine on offense and the 49ers have some damn good pieces offensive line, notwithstanding. So can Lance run that system? How well can he run it this year? I'm in no way expecting him to be able to run that to perfection. That's unrealistic. We know Lance is going to come with a, a bevy of mistakes, but how well can he run it? Because as of right now, I know Lance is going to make off-script plays and be able to create plays of his own, but I want to see how many plays he can just, uh, you know, put on the field that we knew were drawn up how Kyle Shanahan wanted them to happen. So now again, we are breaking down the entire position group. There are backup quarterbacks. You know, we do have other quarterbacks on the roster. They are people too. We've got Nate Sudfield who, yeah, uh, yes, we still have Jimmy Garoppolo. We talked about him. Behind Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo notwithstanding, we've got Nate Sudfeld and Brock Purdy. And I do not believe there's any type of competition for the backup role. Maybe we will witness one. If it starts to happen, it starts to happen. Uh, maybe we'll see it throughout training camp. The 49ers did give Nate Sudfeld a pretty healthy guarantee when they signed him. Uh, I believe it was around $2 million, and that to me tells tells me they plan on keeping him around. You know, he's a bit older. He's 28. He can be, you know, sort of that veteran in the room that Lance may need. I don't know what type of personality Sudfield has and if he's truly, you know, and what he adds to the room. But at the same time, he's been in the league for five more years than Lance. So, and and Brock Purdy's a rookie. It, to me, it would been, it seems like it would benefit the room for Sudfeld and, you know, couple that with the guarantees. He seems like the favorite to be the backup it, to me, whether it's, I don't really care whether it's Nate Sudfeld or Brock Purdy, just don't keep both of them. I have flashbacks to the CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins era 
of constantly keeping both of those guys, never being able to make up your mind. Neither of them have, since they left the 49ers, amounted to anything major. And it seemed like the 49ers were always holding on to them as if they were starting quarterbacks and they just couldn't let them go for free. You know, it's silly. So as long as they're not keeping two backup quarterbacks like they've done in the past, this roster is too good with too much talent to waste a spot on another quarterback. To me, other than that, I don't really care what they do at quarterback. If Brock Purdy beats out Nate Sudfield, sweet, man. That's awesome. Congrats, Brock. But to me, it's just all of my energy spent on backup quarterbacks was used on Beathard Mullins, and I will have no more backup quarterback energy to give throughout the remainder of my time covering the 49ers. (laughs) Just don't keep two of them, please. That's about all all I've got. On the backup quarterbacks, just too much, too much. And again, don't expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be on be on the team during training camp. I just I don't see them excusing Jimmy Garoppolo for training camp. You know that's a little silly, especially if the word's already gotten out that he's throwing. That seems a little weird. But then again, I also didn't necessarily see him being in the building. To me, that's just awkward at this point. The 49ers need to go with Trey Lance. He needs to get every starting rep possible. And having Jimmy Garoppolo just hanging around and acting like he has a uh, a true place on this team, especially after he already said his goodbyes in a press conference and stuff, that just seems weird. I don't think that that's necessary anymore, and that's nothing against Jimmy Garoppolo. To me, the options are either trade him, trade him before training camp, because obviously any team that picks him up is going to want him to be a part of that, or release him, and that's it. Those are the options. I just feel like keeping him around would just be odd. You know, it'd be like you break up with your girlfriend, but you live together, but she doesn't move out because she doesn't have a place to go. And now you're going to try to date someone else. And that just gets weird. Probably a bad example, but that's just the first thing that came to mind. Crocker was the king of ex-girlfriend examples or girlfriend examples or girl examples. I feel like that was always his way, his route. It was hilarious. Um, so yeah, I mean that I honestly didn't expect to be breaking down kind of the quarterback. I mean, we talked about training camp for a little bit. Uh, I didn't expect to be kind of breaking down the quarterback position that long. I, I was planning on doing running backs, but what we're probably going to do is we will save running backs for uh, next week's episode, and we'll also throw in wide receivers, and we may even be able to include offensive line, running backs, wide receivers, offensive line. Um, we'll see. At the very least, you're going to get running backs and wide receivers, so that should be a pretty entertaining episode um, filled with all kinds of skill players, as they call them. And again, we will get through. Uh, I got about four weeks of breaking down this this roster, and that should line us up perfectly. I should be able to get through the offense in another two episodes, and then I'll have, I should have two more before we start training camp. And uh, And I could always get my butt on here and record more than once a week. But it is the off season. It is my summer break. I have tried to uh, give myself a chance to uh, unwind, as you as y'all know how it is. Come on. So hey, that's striking gold. That that was a that was a, a podcast episode that we just recorded right there. Uh, hopefully, I said the full name of a player at least thirty two times, so our friend on the iTunes reviews can just be wasted. Uh, but hey, shout out to the uh, constructive feedback. I appreciate it to everybody else. 
I appreciate you guys listening, man. I always get these little Twitter comments and and little you know, not messages, but just people hit me up on Twitter to to just kind of offer their thoughts on the episode. And if you're listening and you do that, just know that I appreciate it. And most of the time, I get the time to reply. Um, but if I don't, it certainly isn't a slight against you. I appreciate the fact that. Uh, you guys listen to the episodes and just feel the need to have a little bit of conversation about it with me. I love it. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. I'm just like, man, that was, that was just to me felt like a really fast 45 minutes for you guys listening. You probably hit fast forward uh, 13 times and you set it on at least times and a half. So my voice sounds like uh, a really, uh, you know, jacked out of his mind. Kermit the Frog. So, Thank you for listening to Strike and Gold. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for sticking with us over the years. Um, y'all are the best. Make sure you are listening, obviously, downloading, subscribing, sharing it, all of those cool little metrics that go on spreadsheets for the uh, for the other guys to look at. Um, but I appreciate y'all. You know that. For another week, this is Strike and Gold, and we are signing out. <laughs>